This is Rina Dipti Annabel, aka Mommy Imperfect, and you are listening to the Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect, the weekly podcast that delves into different aspects of womanhood and the place where we celebrate those women who are all game changers in their own way. Now, this is an episode that you need in your life on a cold winter's day in January when all the Christmas lights have been packed away, you know, when you feel the pressure to hit the gym, but really, really, you just want to you know, be on a sofa eating a packet of crisps, watching TV, no judgment here. Uh, But if you find yourself struggling to get through the winter slump or even the midweek slump, then keep listening because, you know, we're going to be talking about rituals that you can incorporate into your life for better happiness and health. And um, if you want to know what foods to eat to boost your mood, then make sure you keep it locked here because I'm going to be talking to my guest about all this and more. So let me introduce her now. It's cookbook author, chef and health practitioner, Mira Manek. Hi, Mira. Hello. Very wonderful to be on here. So thank you for having me, Rina. Well, it's nice to uh, talk to you again. Now, we have met in real life a long time ago because we have a mutual friend. So it was yes. ages ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and I love how social media keeps us all connected. One of the pros of social media. I know. And I think I think our friend is very excited today that we're talking right now. So, um, ah, so that's good. I'm sure she is. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, you know, your journey to becoming a cookbook author and, you know, going into health and well-being like I'm, I'm sure when I met you all that time ago were you doing something different because I don't remember hearing anything about this I don't know actually you never when we met but I feel like it was so long it was ago a long ago it was a, yeah anything like this but also I was was I based even in the UK I was traveling were you in I was Dubai living, living abroad for a number of years yeah. in Dubai Uganda um I was a travel journalist and a I, I also ran a charitable organization in Uganda when I was there but essentially and then I also became an editor of a magazine so I was quite I kind of was doing something different, but again, in the writing field. So I guess there's an element of, uh, of similarity there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But no, it wasn't in wellness. I think I was then trying to think, I was thinking I was really healthy at the time. And I think that's when I, I was coming full circle in terms of realizing that what I grew up eating was actually healthier than what I was eating then. And that I developed a really bad relationship with food, which is what led me to do what I do now. So when you say really bad relationship with food, like what are we talking about? Just like junk, disordered eating? Disordered eating, yes. An eating disorder, essentially. But, and, um, okay. Also, yeah. eating disorder, but also like um, addiction to sugar. I think what happened over the years in terms of university time and later was that the whole low sugar, the whole low fat fad had started at that time. Yes. And I was very much like, I've always had a sweet tooth, but I was trying to doing these diets like Weight Watchers or whatever it is, like different diets. But essentially I'd be having the sweetest stuff and I'd be indulging in, I'd be letting my sweet tooth, like Mm. indulging my sweet tooth. And by doing that, I'd got sort of got addicted to sugar by doing that. And as I basically got those spikes and I never knew what that was then, but you know, having that sudden crash, I'd get that crash and I felt older than I feel now. Um, Obviously I did lose weight on Weight Watchers and all of that, but when I wasn't doing those diets, I would eat sweet foods over any savory foods. I would have snacks over meals. So that's the sort of disordered eating we're talking about. And then I'd go crazy in the gym and never really see that there was a result. Well, sometimes I'd see a result and sometimes I wouldn't. And obviously I understand all this now, it's a science. But essentially, when I was younger, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I just thought I was being healthy by having healthy foods. But actually, there is no such thing as healthy foods. It's about how you eat, what you eat, when you eat, and how much you eat. 
that is a really important thing to keep in mind like what you just said and by the way I totally identify with what you said because I feel like at uni there's a certain age where you're just like oh it's just about getting by do you know what I mean your main focus isn't like oh yes what can I make nutritionally balanced food today you don't think about that you're just trying to get by in life and you know balance everything and you're still growing up right so I the sugar addiction thing I completely identify with I think I'm I still struggle with that but um I I grew up when the slim fast craze uh just yeah. came in like when I was uh, a teenager I actually got slim fast I don't know how I convinced my parents to actually like get this as part of the food shop but um I don't think anyone I don't know did they even know what the hell I was doing but I I did um have this chocolate slim fast shake sometimes and I'd have it for breakfast and I'd be like oh my god I'm losing weight I bet I'm gonna be so thin by tomorrow like what rubbish is this I can't believe I actually I did that it's ridiculous what we've been eating. I mean, yes, I understand the point system, which Weight Watchers now I understand what that was all about. Um, but if you're not going to be eating the right stuff and if you're going to be eating the wrong stuff, as in if you're going to have snacks as opposed to meals and that sort of thing, then it contributes to that disordered eating. Whereas if you're a normal eater, it might be okay to do something like that. So it's about the awareness and the knowledge and mm. creating good and bad habits um, and not getting addicted to the wrong things or or trying to just be balanced in your approach. Yeah. And and that's and I've got your book here, right? I absolutely love this book. I feel like it's such like a handbook and I needed it at this point in the year, I feel. Handbook in terms of like, you know, it's got everything in there. So it's got, you know, even like prayers, yoga, food. And then it's like nice and it's a nice size. You can even like put it in your handbag. Do you know what, Mira? I actually um I was looking for this the other night and um my twelve year old daughter had actually gone to bed with it. So I couldn't find it. Oh because she God. was reading it at night and she actually um made the uh one of the porridges uh the apple and ginger porridge she made it before me I was like oh what do you do like is it nice so she's yeah so it's really nice that she's um she's really loving it as well that's amazing well that's really good to hear because it's nice that appeals to her age group as well wow that really makes me happy (laughs) yeah I do think it's kind of like a uh, well, both my books, but they, especially this one, it's very timeless in terms of it doesn't, yes, Ayurveda has become a bit more popular, but it's not about popularity. It's just about awareness of rituals and how different things in, um, sorry, different rituals and practices can help uplift you from a dark place or just make you have a more balanced approach and day. Yeah. Yes, and and so I'm really happy that she's reading that now because she's obviously young, so it's nice for her to get, you know, all this kind of influence. She did say to me, though, oh, mommy, um, I I need to go to a cafe and sit there on my own and have some nice time observing the world. And I'm like, you're not going to do that because you're 12. (laughs) That's so funny. Wow. Yeah, I did write about that, right? I know. I was like, like, you know what? One of the rituals that you can... I just think it's... Oh, that's quite funny, actually. So she has been reading it. That's the homework to show she's been reading it. Exactly, exactly. How wonderful. That's so amazing to hear. But yeah, it's all about just carving out time to do different things and not overwhelming yourself. Like you can't open the book or create your own toolkit for happiness by literally uh, cramming in 15 things in the day you know start with one you know do that one one minute a day and then start the next thing and you know increase the time you do the breath work or increase the time you're running and it doesn't have to be something holistic like ayurveda and breath work and yoga it can be and it's good to always have something calming and something that is uh, more movement related whether it's running or uh, activity cardio any sort of cardio or weightlifting it can be anything and I started when I was writing that book I was I had a cafe in a yoga studio I did a lot of yoga but I also went to the gym and now I've actually transitioned into doing a lot more weight training and it's just passages of time so you know whatever ritual it is that you 
habit, like whether it's waking up at 6 a.m. and doing the workout or going for a 10 minute walk before you start your day, whatever it is, just try and make sure you're consistent with what, what that is. Because consistency will show you how that one ritual or those two rituals or whatever you plan to do creates a change in your mind and your day. This is what I'm finding now, that consistency in in everything really. It's like sometimes when you think, oh, this is not working or whatever, but then that becomes a habit, right? Or you actually see some gains from it. So I guess it's just just keeping on doing the thing, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that I lack is structure, and I'm trying to do more of that this year in terms of structuring my day while I'm planning a little bit, uh, which I never, I've never been good at. I'm very ad hoc with the different mm. things that I do. Um, and so being structured with that, you know, February onwards, obviously January has been a bit of a slow start, February onwards being a bit more structured about my time or, you know, waking up on certain days at a certain time. I mean, January has been a very hard month, I would say, waking up wise. And the weather has been like I've not experienced these sorts of temperatures in, consistently in such a long time. So I find I it know. quite hard to get up in I the know. mornings. <laughs> I, I do. I but do. I, yeah. But I'm hoping February onwards, I can start to rev up that sort of early morning start because it really makes such a difference. You know, all of last, a lot of last year, waking up really early and doing my workout first thing in the morning just made me have such a great start to the day because you feel like you're not falling behind them and you're not trying to play catch up. Yeah, I mean, I think it works differently for different people, but I definitely am with you that I have to do things like that in the morning. Like, I I think I'm more of a morning person. Like, by the oh, I completely agree. It works differently yeah. for everyone, and I love going to the gym in the evening. These days, I've been doing that. Um, but what I mean is that I think starting your day early and doing whatever it is in the first thing in the morning mm. before, like even if it's journaling or getting up and doing ten minutes of. I don't know, it could be meditation, it could be listening to something, it could be just writing in your book about thoughts you've had or dreams that you've had, anything, just something that comes to mind, writing it down, or just, you know, burning your palisanto and clearing the air and just making sure you have a minute to yourself before the whole world, or like the world bombards you or mm. before you, you know, start your day. It's just nice to have that one thing in the morning that sets a good start to the day. 100% like that for me I'll wake up extra early like before everybody else in the house just to have that time I say it so many times on this podcast but it's so I don't know like I just I need that time just to kind of be like okay get with it you know set the intention for the day so yeah I think that's really important so okay we've got a comment here um let me just show you this um I agree consistency is key I try to have the same breakfast every day and only break my fast after 12 p.m i'm making breakfast as i dive oh yeah i want breakfast right now <laughs> yeah i do i try and delay my breakfast a lot today i've actually had something but that's the other thing being sticking to whatever you've um you've committed to and that's something that today i haven't stuck to because i generally do have breakfast late but i ended up having slightly early but also honoring your body sometimes when you really really need to feel super low on energy giving into that one thing and and having it it's mm. also okay <laughs> so so like you know in that comment um it was uh they have the same breakfast every day um and some people I feel like in this day and age everyone thinks oh it's so boring you know we've got to change it up or like having the same food over and over again is seen as like oh you know who does that like what planet are we living in we have access to so much stuff whereas you know when I think about like the way that um people like Indian people have lived traditionally it is those same simple kind of things right that is uh, yeah it's repeated. all about simplicity it, simple is exactly what yeah, you hit the nail on the head. If you can become simpler with your food, 
it's really, it's a lot better for your gut. It's a lot better for your health. It's easier for your life. So even if it is just porridge with banana, you can mix up maybe the fruit that you put in it or what you have with it. Um, or you can just have the same thing every day and it's completely fine. However, however, there is something to be said about having a diverse diversity of plants and vegetables. Right. Or fruits and vegetables. So having, you know, they say, um, I think 30 different vegetables in the week or something like that. It's just good for the gut to be, um, to be receiving or digesting different types of vegetables and plants. So not sticking to the exact same vegetables is probably a good thing. Also, I think intolerances are sometimes created by having the same thing over and over again okay. so while you think that you might be allergic it's probably not an allergy you just might be intolerant to something because you've been having it too much and that's it's fine to have like a week's break from it um you know when i was i i love porridge i love um anything to do with oats and once when i went for my intolerance test ages ago she said um just stop eating oats for a week or two because I'd just been eating them too much and there's nothing wrong with oats but you know it's good to have a bit of a break from things as well right um are there foods then that can actually boost our mood and make us just feel happier of course so I think that's where spices come in so I've just recently done I mean we had a dinner last night um at the hotel but I've just done a collaboration with a restaurant in central London where I've collaborated with the chef Gary who used to be at the Ivy and is now at the Middle Eight Hotel uh, on a food sorry a mood boosting food menu and it's a small menu but it's, I, it's essentially to introduce the concept of spices and not just in the context of Indian food, but in the context of everyday food. So how can you include spices every day and why should you include spices every day? Every spice has its own benefit, digest digestion benefits, it has mood benefits like saffron, for example, cardamom, all these things can elevate your mood. And we're not talking a few strands and you feel happy suddenly, but we're talking consistently having these spices. By being consistent with things like ginger, saffron, cardamom, black pepper, all these things, you're going to be helping your gut in the long run and hopefully preventing certain things that might happen. But also you're adding flavor and not adding any calories. So for example, if you're having porridge in the morning and you like cinnamon, put some cinnamon in there. Or if you like cinnamon, have cinnamon in hot water instead of a cup of tea in the day. Or put cinnamon in your tea. If you like ginger, then maybe add that to whatever tea that you're drinking um, or into your soups. Um, if you, even if you don't like saffron and cardamom, maybe just um, try and start including them in things. We're talking little pinches of things. So saffron, for example, you want a very small pinch, put it into your cup of tea, put it into a cup of hot milk at night before you sleep because that will also help you sleep better. Saffron is a spice that um, helps you sleep better um, and therefore combining that with a little bit of turmeric in hot milk will be great as a bed bedtime snack if you are a little bit hungry. Um, and just have a small amount, um, you know, maybe an hour before you sleep. Ayurvedically, which is obviously the uh, what I speak a lot about Ayurveda, um, it's not good to have things at night. So you should actually give your tummy, uh, your digestive, digestive system a break for at least 12 to 14 hours. However, there's nothing wrong with having a, you know, a small cup of milk with um, saffron cardamom or whatever, a pinch of black pepper and turmeric if you want. And just using the spices, you might say, oh God, I've not, never used that. But if you just use search it, Google it, you know, how do you use these spices? Or just experiment with it. You know, next time you put sweet potato wedges in the oven, um, coat them with a little bit of oil and cumin seeds, for example, or coriander seeds. Or the next time you make a soup, temper your 
coriander seeds and mustard seeds and a little bit of oil and then put in all the soup ingredients. So it's just about experimenting and realizing that you don't need to take out the spice box when you're making certain dishes, take it out for everything. And those, all those spices will have an effect on the gut and the mood because both are related. Um, so I know we can't go through like every single every single thing. There's a lot of spices in in your book. You've got this appendix, right, where you put different things and how, what they do. But like these common ones and ones that you mentioned, so things like um, cinnamon and ginger. So are they the ones that can boost your mood, or are they for immunity? Like what do they do? Ginger is very anti-inflammatory. Um, and it's very, very good for your, um, all of us have inflammation, so it helps to reduce that inflammation. It's also very, very warming. However, if you find it too spicy, it, spicy, it might mean that uh, you already have internal heat. So, you know, don't overdo it with the ginger. So just listen to your body, start small. Grated ginger is great, but you can also use ginger powder. And I often put ginger powder, a, a half a teaspoon or a quarter teaspoon in hot water and drink it. Um, if you do that two, you know, once or twice a day, see the difference you feel and you'll feel that warmth within you as well. Cinnamon is great for um, blood sugar levels, um, amazingly, and a lot of other things. So, you know, if you're struggling with that, cinnamon, and also cinnamon has a natural sweetness. Get a good quality cinnamon and you'll actually get lovely sweetness from it. And again, put it in hot water, put it into whatever you're mm. cooking. Um, and thirdly, saffron, it elevates the mood. It also helps you sleep better. Cardamom helps with the mood, helps with the breath, helps with um, digestion. Cumin, mustard seeds, uh, cumin seeds, mustard seeds, both are great for, well, they're great for co cooking. They make everything taste better. And we use that a lot in Indian cooking. However, they're also very, very good for digestion. Um, and if you have stomach issues, then um, having uh, carom seeds in either just chewing them, they're quite spicy, or putting them in hot water and having them. And then there's an Ayurvedic tea, which is made with coriander seeds, cumin seeds, fennel seeds. Just mix them in equal proportion, keep them ready and put, warm, put, put them in warm water, hot water. Either eat them while you're drinking the water or just have the water by itself and then you can throw the seeds if you want to. I quite like eating the seeds. Um, that's really good. And that's another product that I'm going to be introducing in the chai by mirror shop because it's such an easy one to just like guzzle and have in your um in your bag and just put it into hot water um and that's it I think I, I've covered a lot of spices there but I'm sure there are others and, and a lot of them are anti-inflammatory and so many of us carry around inflammation and it'll just help you help your gut help your system and just remember that the gut and the mood I mean the gut and the mood and the brain are so linked because um, Ninety-five percent of our serotonin, which is the happy hormone, is actually created in the gut. So they ca call the gut the second brain. Yeah. And then there's a reason for that. Okay, there's a comment here. What's your view on probiotics and digestive enzymes? Are taking tablets okay? Is there a natural way to get the same benefits? They are very good. I think that we live in a day and age where we need extra help with our digestion. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. Um, however, if you have no issue at all, um, you can get them from um normal i mean sorry home home foods so kefir is one of them which you can find in the supermarket um kombucha is another and we make homemade yogurt so if you can get a live culture of yogurt and make your own homemade yogurt that's actually got a lot of beneficial bacteria um that you probably won't get from store-bought yogurt um so it's a bit like having your own kefir every single day so i have homemade yogurt every day um i'm not sure that it would contain as many strains as the probiotic enzyme capsule um, but you can obviously aid that with the probiotics um, nothing wrong with having it and especially if someone's told you to have it but I've never found that it makes the big I mean it if you have no issues 
um, then you might not need it is what I'm saying. So you don't want to get dependent on something. That's right. all. Yeah. Okay. Um, so kefir is this fermented yogurt. Is that what it is? Fermented yogurt? Yes, but it's a live culture, which is a lot stronger than like your, um, yeah, than your day-to-day yogurt. Um, and it is okay. fermented and it's fermented very, so it's got a very strong strain. However, there are kefirs out there that just seem very, very mild. Um, so I'm not sure how much benefit they would have, but it's still better than having, I don't know, a smoothie, for example. Yeah. So right. I wouldn't take it as medicine, but I would take it as just a additional gut aid, as it were, another another right. nice drink you can have. Um, I would say you can, if you're really excited by the kefir, then maybe get the kefir strains and make your own homemade kefir. And that's a lot more, that's a lot stronger, a lot more pungent. It doesn't taste as great, um, but just knock it down. And that's more medicinal, I would say. Um, and kombucha. So I had that drink for the first time, uh, like last year, and I was like, "Ooh, what's this? Um, it's tangy it does literally taste like sparkling yogurt right uh i've never thought of it like that i thought it tastes a bit like sparkling wine <laughs> but like it was just tangy um yeah. yeah there are certain it is very tangy it is very tangy and they put sugar in the tea initially in the culture to actually um sweeten it a little bit but so it's very natural it's sort of like the bacteria eats up the sugar because it needs the sugar to grow or whatever so it's necessary however there's a lot of kombucha brands out there which i personally feel are super light like they taste like a another nice lime soda or something do you know what i mean not too sweet and they taste healthier they're definitely a better better option but they don't taste like they have a, a strong amount of kombucha in them right so but the ones that i've tasted from i don't know people i know who make them fresh and live and have the scoby lying in there they are amazing i absolutely love strong kombucha but i've not found i don't know which brand does really strong kombucha right Okay, so I guess it's, so it's just worth having. Yeah. But again, it's not a bad thing to have your, you know, if you're replacing your diet coke with kombucha, amazing. Yeah. If you're having kombucha every day as an additional drink, that's great. Um, but if you're relying on kombucha to sort out your gut issues, I wouldn't be doing that. Mm. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about foods there um, and foods to boost your moods. Let's just talk about rituals. Um, so, I mean, you talk about a lot about rituals in this book. How important are rituals to you, like things that ground you? So I think I started off writing this book from um, a place of darkness when I was when I was feeling really lonely, going through a really long divorce. And I didn't call these things rituals. I just woke up and thought, what can make me happy today? Um, and it doesn't mean my whole day is going to go well, because I know it won't, because at the back of my mind, I know I'm depressed and sad. However, if I can do those two or three things that I know will uplift me even in those moments, that then that effect might last a little bit longer. So at least I'm making myself happy for that amount of time. Now, it was never that calculated. It was more just, okay, what can I do today? Um, so whether it was sitting in the sunshine, because I lived in Dubai sometimes at that time, or meeting a friend or having um, or, or doing an exercise class, because obviously that has all the endorphins going on and they last longer. So after, after a cardio class, you probably feel the effect of those endorphins, which are the happy hormones, for about an hour or two afterwards. So that will make you feel better and your body will feel better. So whatever it is, I just did those things to make me feel better. Now, the, whether you call those practices or rituals, um, they're just things to uplift you in those moments. And, and soon enough, all those things add up and hopefully make you happier rather than more sad. And that's what happened eventually after many years. Um, so the book really 
comes from that. However, if you're going, whether you're going through a sad time or a happy time or you're normal, whatever it is, rituals can just set um, sort of the grounding, lift the sort of base of your day. Um, and 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 your days make up your weeks, which make up your months, which make up your year. And so you want to make sure that you have a level grounding that will just provide you with that bounce or that happiness or that sort of uh, baseline of happiness before you start the day or even when you're finishing the day or during the day because you we can all get very busy we can get caught up in yeah. our lives in stories in other people's stories in um whatever's going on in life all the craziness family stuff friends stuff um but how can you bring yourself back to yourself and whether that's a class maybe maybe a really nice yoga class is what you love maybe going to the cinema once a you know once a month with a friend is something that will so it can be a monthly thing it can be a daily thing and waking up and doing that one thing that like i spoke about earlier i won't just repeat that but you know doing that one thing that just even if it's just smiling you know because even if you're not feeling happy but by smiling first thing in the morning even if you don't feel like it and you have no one to smile to by smiling your physiology is changing your psychology or by taking a few deep breaths when you're feeling anxious your physiology is changing your psychology they say the breath is the quickest way for your physiology to change your psychology and it's very true so if you're feeling jittery and anxious and crazy and busy how do you calm yourself down and just by slowing down the breath and taking it deep into the belly you will come back to the present moment and just slow yourself down and you'll feel it mechanically chemically um so use these different things um to slow yourself down and do the do make sure that every week there is a high energy thing if you love high energy but also how are you calming yourself down you don't always want to be in fight or flight by doing all these hit classes and all these things you're in fight or flight you're quite you got all that adrenaline and cortisol running around but how do you put yourself into uh, rest and relax mode so that you also come back to that resting mode so trying to do the yin and the yang every week it doesn't have to be every day but at least every week and then it'll become every day um yeah I, I was one of those people who just did the hit classes who just did the spin classes yeah and it's and it's only from like this time last year that I was like no calm down go for some walks do some yoga and so that's now something that I and, and it's not like I like I always I don't naturally choose those things but I've had to force myself to incorporate them mm. you know? yeah I agree I, I totally agree and I think it's completely fine to do one and not do the other but then maybe fit the other in like do, you don't have to focus on the other but when you're leaving your gym class or whatever it is can you spend 10 minutes in the sauna just deep breathing and calming down and just warming yourself up or can you leave and just do a walk home and just listen to something and mm -hmm. again take a few deep breaths rather than thinking oh god i need to set half an hour aside to listen to the sand bath because you don't have to do that that might come in, in in a year's time because you might think oh you know what i'm really enjoying all this i want to like focus on that more then that that will come let it come naturally you don't have to force yourself to think oh god now i need to do an hour of this yeah um do you, would you say that like you know when you felt uh lonely and sad and when you were going through your divorce is it these kind of things that that pulled you out ultimately like how how did you cope with that and feeling out of control and all that kind of stuff i'd say the breath really helped me i hadn't trained in breath work then i have now um but by simply doing so much yoga at the time, and actually yoga really helped me. Um, by doing a lot of yoga, I went on yoga retreats at the time and I just loved yoga and I started creating community in yoga. 
And by doing all that yoga, I became a lot more present in that yoga class. And I always thought that, you know, at that time I was thinking that when I was in the yoga class, I would, that was the only time I wasn't thinking about other things because you'd have to focus on what you're doing. Um, now it's not so much there. I don't really have that feeling that I need to become present because I feel a lot more present generally. Um, however, at that time, I think taking my mind away from what was going on in my life was really important and yoga made me feel better. Yoga helped me and taking the breath from yoga, so the breath that I learned in yoga, the ujjayi breath, the deepening of the breath, I found by just experimenting that it was helping me in day-to-day -day life when I was feeling all those um, jittery feelings. So say, for example, I was about to start crying or I was about to have a bit of a, you know, a breakdown how not not how would i prevent myself isn't prevent myself because there's nothing wrong with doing all those things but say i was with somebody and i didn't really want to break down there then how would i prevent that and it's not that i would necessarily prevent it but by just taking some very deep breaths and just taking myself away from the situation i would be able to calm myself down so it just showed me that um the power of the breath the breath is really really strong so using that, taking that away from my yoga class and just making sure I did yoga all the time really, really helped me at the time. I, I can't remember what else helped me. I mean, food, I'd, that was around the time when I started writing my first book and learning how to eat, um, or sorry, learning how to make the food that I grew up eating. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that's sort of it, connecting with the, the friends that I had back then. Mm. Um, so your connection to your roots like do you feel that um it became it increased like just from you looking into all of this you learning the food or have you always had like a strong connection to india and been going there all the time um i think learning all the recipes and learning all the food that i grew up eating definitely definitely made me see the whole um, of my heritage from a different lens because I think I just grew up eating amazing food not realizing what went into making it. So that made me uh, appreciate it from a different angle um, and appreciate what you know my mom and my aunts, my grandmother cooked and what they did on a daily basis just by instinctively doing it rather than you know me thinking, oh God, what do I need to put and how much of this and all those things which should be intuitive or had become intuitive for them and just normal and i was like oh my god how do you cook up this big meal um and obviously i learned all of that and that was really amazing um india has always been part of my life my dna my sort of yearly life i love going to india um i think learning to cook and seeing food and all of that from a different perspective and all you know writing my book going back to india was also different because then I would be trying to capture things and speaking to people about what they're making and going into the villages with a different sort of lens. So yes, it does change your perspective. I wouldn't say that I wasn't connected to India before. I think before I, I'd go to India just as often mm -hmm. um, and I was living in close proximity because Dubai is very close to India. So I'd yeah. go to India quite often and I loved it. Um, I think it's really important and lovely to maintain that connection to your home country. Mm -hmm. I think it's um it's it, it some people think of it as a place to shop you know just before your wedding and that sort of thing and it, it, that's also nice but I'm so glad that I've been able to see India and travel India um in different areas in different ways and through different passages of my life um and without too much fear because I think 
I've just become accustomed to traveling in India. And of course you have to be careful, but I think fear sometimes um, grabs hold of people and people are sort of scared of venturing into areas unknown. Mm. Um, you know what I liked about your book and just start your whole philosophy and taking Ayurveda and using it in daily life and stuff is that, you know, like I think like sometimes we kind of shy away from our own cultural practices sometimes unless the Western world make it fashionable, like, oh, you know, let's do hot yoga, let's do this. And like, it's almost like some people have to see, I don't know, like people in the West doing it before they will think it's cool, right? And mm. and and even with Ayurvedic things like, oh, look at this, you know, lotion, it's uh, got Ayurvedic science behind it and it's like 52 pounds or something. Whereas stuff, when we look into our own um, cultural history, we've been doing it for years, even like things like, you know, um when women give birth so we have like banjiri or whatever you call it and and eat that afterwards like there's a reason behind it and I just I really love the fact that you you're owning your own heritage and putting it out there and kind of being proud of it so you know hats off to you for doing thank that. you no I think that's really true and I think it's really I was speaking to someone the other day about cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation the difference and I think it's very easy for us to say as Indians that oh you know they're not Indian, but they're flaunting the whole yoga thing or, you know, Ayurveda or whatever it is. And I think there is um, such a thing as cultural appropriation. Of course there is, but you can't, there's a bit of a fine line where you yeah, think, well, is. actually Indians haven't gone and owned, you know, did you, did you go and learn and become that yoga teacher? Or did you go and learn those mantras? And actually if that person, white person isn't pronouncing that mantra correctly, is the intention behind it good? Or is she, saying it properly, but just not pronouncing it, pronunciating it properly. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that we've got to understand that you're right. Like we need to own it first before criticizing others for yeah. going and owning something that we haven't yet owned. So it's really important to learn it yourself first. And I, and I think it, it kind of annoys me when people, when Indians go and say, oh, but you know, that Ganesh shouldn't be in the yoga studio because they don't even know what Ganesh is or something like that. Yeah. Well, actually... There's nothing wrong with that. Why Why is it something wrong with that? I think it's lovely. It's such a wonderful little thing. Um, why can't I take something from another culture and with paying respect to it, you know, you're not being disrespectful. You're doing it in a nice mm. way, um, using those wonderful rituals and, and things that they have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100% but um, but yeah I agree it's it's really nice it's sorry I agree meaning thank you for um saying that but I really think it's wonderful that other people hopefully other Indians are doing the same thing and owning their culture more mm. but also um what I, what I what I liked about you know how you wrote what you've written in this book is that there's those traditions but also you're kind of bringing it into a modern world because I, I re uh, read something in there about like how you know like how when women are on their periods they can't go into religious ceremonies or places or whatever but it's kind of I mean the thing is like you know with things like that it's like okay you know we have like pads and tampons now we're good to do this right you've obviously said it in a nicer way than me while still being respectful but that whole thing of bringing uh cultural traditions into a modern age to kind of you know move with the times and not be so restrictive I think is really important as well yeah i think you've got to understand the reasons why people did these things like when you think about the time and day and age when that came, that particular rule must have come about obviously they didn't maybe have pads or it wasn't really possible to do these things without being well it's just not very nice to go anywhere but it, you know you needed bed rest what else could you do you yeah. can't move around physically um so that's where the rule probably came from now there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me there 
of course. And I'm not going to sit there and actually convince my grandmother that this is how it came about and that I, we shouldn't listen to it because she won't understand that. It's not easy to explain to someone who's believed that their whole 90, you know, 87 years of their life that actually you were wrong because this is the reason. So, you know, respectfully, you would be like, well, actually, no, you're right. I completely understand what you're saying. And then do what, it, but, but, but at the same time, do what you need to do. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Because there is no other, I mean, I don't think there's any other reason. I mean, yeah, I agree. And I love what how you phrase it in there. Um, yeah, so uh, I think we're almost out of time. But I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your pearls of wisdom uh, about foods thank to boost you. your mood, rituals me. and things like that. Um, so what is next for you, though? Have you got more books on the way, cookbooks, any more partnerships out there that you're doing with yeah. restaurants? I've got uh, a third book coming out this September. Yeah. It's on, so my, I think you know my brand is the chai brand. So I mm -hmm. have uh, various flavors of chai. I work with cafes, restaurants, hotels, people can buy it online, chaibymira.com. But I'm now publishing a book, um, which is not related to the brand, but you know, it just so happens I also have a, a brand called Chai by Mira, but the, the, the book is on chai, but it's on the history, stories, and recipes. And it's been such a, it's actually been such a joy to write. So I wrote it all uh, last summer, pretty much. Um, so it's, it's done. Um, there'll be a few edits, I'm sure. But other than that, it's done. And it's out in September. So, That's so yeah, I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, yeah keep me posted. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'll keep and also, I've launched my practice as an integrated health practitioner a bit more um, formally now. I've been doing it sort of uh, word of mouth so far. And I'm more formally practicing as a, as a practitioner now. So holistic health coach, um, trying to help people achieve their health goals. That's awesome. So if people want to find out a bit more info about you and obviously on social media, you're sharing like amazing recipes all the time. So can you just share your website and social media handles? Yeah, it's miramanic.com, M-I-R-A-M-A-N-E-K.com. And it's at miramanic on Instagram, M-I-R-A-M-A-N-E-K. Um, and again, chaibymira.com and at chaibymira. Thank you so much, Mira. It's been lovely speaking to you. And thank you, thank you to Rina. those. Yeah, th thank you to those who have tuned in. Um, either if you're on uh, watching YouTube live or watching it back, or if you're listening to the audio version on your usual podcast platform. Thank you so much. Uh, follow me at Sisterhood on Mummy Imperfect on Instagram or Mummy Imperfect on Facebook. Make sure you do um, share this podcast, please. Uh, that'd be really nice. Until next week. Peace out, Benny. Bye.